Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have with me a very special guest. My dear wife, Beth, is back on the show with us here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've had you. Yeah. (laughs) We've been busy. It's been a busy spring, busy family life, graduating a daughter from high school, many other things going on. But Beth and I just got back from a 20th anniversary special trip that we, we just did. Uh, we just got back doing a pilgrimage to Krakow, to Poland, to walk in the footsteps of St. John Paul II, to walk in the footsteps of Divine Mercy and St. Faustina there, and uh, where we just wanted to take this time in the podcast, just we thought we'd just share a little bit with you um, just about some of our experiences just in the last week. So, But first of all, maybe just a little background on this. So we've been married 20 years and very grateful for our marriage and our family and many blessings. But one of the things we realized as we were just approaching the day, days before this trip is that we have not gotten away like this in since like 2002, where it was just us. There's no baby with us. Uh, and it was more than just like like, like a, just a weekend trip, you know, so where we were away for a whole week and it was just us. And it was it was awesome. Yes. So very good. Very good to, to, to get away, and I know that there are many uh, families that listen to this podcast, many many parents and spouses, and uh, some of them are younger, and they've got younger kids. Some of them are as old as we are, or older and all, but I, I think it's, it's just hard when you've got a, a full family life. It's hard to get away, but I can't recommend it enough. I'm so grateful that we, we did this for, uh, for this trip this year. Uh, we were blessed. We were, we've been talking about it. Uh, with all the travel I do, I was able to use miles. I was able to use it was thirty thousand miles on United Airlines one way ticket to go to Krakow. It was unbelievable. Which um, is how many compared to like what does that compare? Yeah, to? Yeah, like like a typical flight. If you want to typically fly to Chicago from Denver, for example, it's like twenty four thousand miles uh, to get a one way ticket to, to to Chicago. You can get sometimes get it cheaper. It sometimes can be more, but you know around twenty twenty four thousand is is typically to Chicago. So from fact, Denver. From yeah. Denver. So the fact that we were able to go from Denver to Frankfurt to crack off for 30,000 miles was yes. unbelievable. We must have, like, <laughs> hit it right at the right time. Yeah, we planned this late, too. Uh, we were been talking about it, and maybe there was just a... And we didn't even know for sure if we were going to go until, like, the week before. Yeah, we, that was a whole other thing, because we were trying to work out babysitters for the kids and things, and we, and we schedule. were close to have it all, uh, but we weren't sure until, like, until about a week before that we had it all buttoned up and we're ready to go, so... But... God provided, and yeah. it was a blessed trip. It was. Yeah, so tell me, uh, honey, I think the listeners would love to hear, what, what was your favorite like place that we saw or sight or experience from, from the pilgrimage? Well, it was a place that we weren't intending to go to, really, but we were trying to get to the Shrine of Divine Mercy, and our Uber driver... I think you put in the wrong address. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Probably so up. anyway, we ended up at this <laughs> Church of St. Joseph, which was... Like, you could see the Divine Mercy Shrine across this great pile of rubble because they're doing construction. So we knew we were close, and the Uber driver said, well, you said this address, so I'm here, but you wanted to go there. Is it okay? And we're like, ah, sure, okay. Um, and we went there, and they had a John Paul II museum. And But first we walked in the church, and we're, like, exploring, looking around. And then all of a sudden we see in the corner there's a glass case with a papal cassock 
in it, like tucked away in the corner. And you get closer and you realize this cassock has blood on it. And it's the cassock that JP2 wore when he was shot in 1981 in St. Peter's Square. And that, that to me, I was like, what is happening? This is amazing. Yeah, that was that was a huge surprise. We we weren't expecting this at all. Yeah, um, we were trying to get over to where Saint Faustina was buried in one of the mm-hmm. early images of the Divine Mercy, uh, but to come into this, it was it was a magnificent. It was cool. Church. They had some really brilliant mosaics, some neat stuff there. But then they had a, a John Paul II museum, which I mean, JP two is like my hero. So walking around there to me was like just. Fabulous. I felt like I was like up in my grandparents' attic and digging through pictures of my dad, like through his childhood and adolescence and early adulthood and like seeing him again anew and reliving his life too. I mean, it was, it was just so great. Yeah. JP2 is very dear to us. I'm sure for many, many of you, you know, but for us, we were both at World Youth Day. That's where we first, well, we didn't meet, but we were both there at World Youth Day in Denver in 1993. At the same time, and that was a big moving experience for our own spiritual lives. Uh, JP2 was important for our own theological formations. Certainly, he was a big inspiration for focus. So when Beth and I and Curtis Martin and Michael Ann and the early crew were, were launching focus, JP2 was really kind of the kind of kind of a special patron for but us. But for me, back it up because when I was even three years old, I was addicted to the news, and <laughs> I wanted to name my brother. Um, Jimmy Carter, but my parents wouldn't let me. <laughs> and so they did let me name my baby brother Pope John Paul. So my brother John Paul <laughs> after JP2, thanks to his big sister. Yep. So I have I have a very deep, long relationship with yep, our yep. Holy Father. And now we have our own child. Our we have our child. own Carl John Paul. Carl John Paul for Carol. Got to meet Carl JP2 <laughs> on our honeymoon. So... Yeah. Yeah, in fact, yeah. You, we were just, right before we pressed the record button, my wife was showing me a picture that I have here. We're, we're in my, my study office area here, and I've got a, a picture from our honeymoon where we went to Italy, and we got our marriage blessed by JP2, so we got to actually go right up and meet him, and that was exactly 20 years, 20 ago, years ago today. today, the day we're recording this here. Uh, so JP2 is so dear to us, and I've missed him. But I have to say, being in Krakow, going to so many of his the places where he lived, where he studied, where he hid from the Nazis, where he fought the communists, uh, it was very moving. Moving. It, it made it made me miss him so much more <laughs> being being around him. I thought that was your experience, particularly going through all the little items of his in the right. museum from his childhood, like the book the- that his dad gave him about the Holy Spirit that he was even reading the day he died, like. Just yeah, <laughs> so much. There was so much there, and I just wasn't. I just wasn't expecting that. I was completely overwhelmed. So, so, so that was your highlight, that being, was uh, and that wasn't even on our radar screen. Too. No, it just pretty kinda, stinking amazing. <laughs> that just happened. So, you know, for me, there was a place that I was so excited I wanted to go see, and I'll say it's not the typical kind of pilgrimage site for people that do do pilgrimages to Krakow. Uh, I have many friends who've led pilgrimages to Krakow, who've been to Krakow for pilgrimages, but they never go to this site. And to me, I think it's one of the most important ones. It's it's not right in Krakow. It's about 20 minutes outside in one of the suburbs. It's a place called Nova Huta, which means new city. Uh, and it was a new city that the communists built. And they were building it 
to be a city without God, a city that's focused on the worker and production and industry. And, and it was just fascinating to be able to go to this very place where JP2 fought so many battles to bring God to there into that city. There were all these workers, the Polish workers that had to live there, and they would put up these crosses in, in the middle of the field, putting up a cross, and the communists would take it down. And the Polish workers would put it back up, and the communists would take it down. They, it was a big battle, and it broke out into a riot one time. And uh, eventually, uh, JP2 worked with the communists to say, look, they're not going to stop putting these crosses up, so you might as well just let us build a church. <laughs> and we got to go to that very church. Uh, it's called the Ark Church. Uh, and see uh, where where the the church of JP2 ended up dedicating right before he became pope. So just to know those battles being fought there. But we had a chance, another fun thing is that my wife and I, we have a friend, uh, uh, an Italian friend, who married a a Polish girl from Krakow. And we've gotten to know them over the last 15 years or so. And and they happened to be vacationing back home in Krakow, the same week we were there. Shout out to Andrea and Beata. <laughs> we love you guys. So it was it was so awesome just to get uh, uh, an evening with them and be, especially to hear the stories from Beata. Yeah, Beata and I are like almost exactly the same age, which that in itself just blows my mind. And she grew up in communist Poland right outside of Nowohuta. And the stories she told of going to school and the communist teachers and her father and you know, what happened and how they had to choose between you go to church or you go to work. Okay, you choose, you go to church. That means you never go to work again, you know, and how the communists dictated what was in the grocery stores and yeah, how she had to get up early and go stand in line outside the grocery store before she went to school. And then her mother would come relieve her so she could go to school, but you had to be first in line because they'd run out. Because it was communism, they only had, what, 12 bars of chocolate? Is that what she said? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you if you either got, like, chocolate or the vodka, or you had to be, you would get this, or once they sold out, that was the end. Yeah, it was well, just shocking to me. What was that story she was saying about the, the when she went to, oh, yeah, the teacher. That was one where they, they, they would make the children, the, the Polish children, sing, like, this song the, about the Mother Russia. The Soviet national anthem. And that Russia's going to come save Poland. And then her father said, all right, when you say those words, cross your fingers behind your back. But the teacher caught her. Every then, like, single day. And would slap her fingers with a ruler or yeah. something, right? And then yeah. made the father come in to talk to her. And the father just came in and said, no, I know what Russia does. Russia has murdered our friends, has killed our people. We're not going to pray this prayer <laughs> or say this, this song. Nash, sing this song. But then what about First Communion? What, do you remember? Oh, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it's okay we're telling all our stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. She she she, she tells these often. So. Yeah. Yeah, the First Communion, they they didn't want them to make the First Communion. And they, the communists. If you were going to church or coming from church, they would spray high-pressured freezing cold water at you. From the fire hydrant. like the Right, fire. Like, a, like a fire hose. And so all the fathers made like a human chain so that the First Communicants, because what they do there, they don't just go for First Communion one day. It's like a week of First Communion. So it's a week of wearing your dress and going to Mass every single day. And so she remembers the human chain. And I think she, like the cold water hit her father and he was bleeding. Yeah, it was so powerful that it would make cuts in the skin. And so she'd be the fa- her father and all the other dads would be bleeding right. and, and protecting she got their children. Blood on her first communion dress. So when she thinks of her first communion dress, she thinks of the blood from her father. And what what a powerful her. symbol that our heavenly Father gave up His Son Jesus, who died on the cross, His blood on the cross, 
to then give us his body and blood in the Eucharist. And there's her earthly dad suffering and with all the other dads there to protect the little girls. I want to go meet Beata's dad. I think next time we take a pilgrimage to Poland and we go see her parents. So it, it was great to me to go to that city, to see the places where JP2 confronted the communists, uh, to see the actual wooden cross, the first cross that the workers put up to, to, to stand up for God. Um, and then probably the, the most moving part for me was going to this Cistercian Abbey uh, just on the outskirts of Nova Huta, where there's a relic of the true cross that's there. And John Paul II, when he came back to Poland in 19... 1979, shortly after he Well, was, he went back many Pope. times. But, but this is the first, first to visit back. And they wouldn't allow him to go into the heart of Nova Huta, but they did allow him to go here to the Cistercian Church. And he gives this awesome, awesome address there where he talks about how Poland was when Poland was first evangelized. It was evangelized by the Christians, and, the, and then the, the Polish Christians would put crosses on tops of the hills to mark the land of Poland for Jesus Christ. And then he says, and now in our own day, we have a new evangelization, and there's a new cross that sprung up nearby. And he's referring to the Polish workers' cross, and this is marking a new evangelization in this city that's without God, God is present here through the hero- heroic witness of these Polish workers that fought for the cross again. So it was just so moving to read his address, which I'd studied, I've written about it in one of my books, and to go right there where he gave that address by the relic of the true cross, referring to the cross of Nova Huta, was, it, that, that, that was just awesome for me. There were some parts of the trip that were, that were also hard. To, you know, we, we, we did a, a trip to... Um, uh, to Auschwitz, uh, which was only about an hour from from Krakow, and that 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 to me that was so it was very moving to see the very room where Maximilian Kolbe uh, gave up his life uh, and to be able to go right there uh, and be able to say a short prayer on that tour that was that was very inspiring, but so much of that tour seeing the just the the complete degradation of human life, I mean. They, they tell the listeners a little bit about like what what all the the things that we saw about the shoes and the crutches and all the, the briefcases. I about the crutches. Yeah. So when the Allies came and liberated the concentration camp, they saved what remaining items were there, and those are in a museum, which is at what they call Auschwitz One, because there are three locations, um, and this is where they didn't have a ton of Jews. It was mainly the workers. So that's the first one. And then you go to the larger camp, which is also called Birkenau, which is just massive, completely so much bigger than anyone ever realizes. But anyway, they so these are the things in this museum are only what remained when the Allies arrived, because everything else up until that point, the Germans systematically destroyed. They had a special furnace that they would, you know, burn belongings, toys, clothes, all those things. Um, so so knowing that and our tour guide is like, okay, so we're going to turn the corner and you're going to see a case full of eyeglasses. And I'm picturing in my mind like, okay, maybe this is all that was left, right? So maybe there would be like, I don't know, maybe 20 pairs of glasses, you know? Mm-hmm. You turn the corner and it's like a three foot by three foot square piled high of all of these wireframe glasses that are all intertwined and like thousands lumped to, I I was just like what this is all that was left this wasn't like the whole war this is all that was remaining at the end 
like the scraps, the leftovers. And that that just was like the starting point. And from there, just seeing the shoes and the hair from the Jewish women and the children's clothes and the pictures and suitcases and, oh. Oh, and then to see the place where the firing squads were, where they would just shoot shoot the people. And then most, the hard, of course, was the gas chambers and going right into the gas chambers and then seeing... And then this is where they would shovel up the bodies and put them in the incinerators. And it, it was just, it, it, it's still, even as I'm talking now, I, I it's just hard. Uh, and I, I, on my phone, I've got so many pictures from my pilgrimage and that, that Auschwitz was right in the middle. And when I scroll through and I'm just showing my kids some of the pictures, it's just uh, that part. I just, I still get this sinking feeling. I just, the presence of evil, you know, and this, we, we had an interesting discussion over a meal uh, on, on our trip, a little debate. And, and uh, it wasn't a debate, but it was, it was a fun discussion. But I, I was telling Beth that I, if I ever do a pilgrimage, lead a pilgrimage to Krakow, I had many people ask if I would do a pilgrimage to Poland, and maybe one year I will. But I'd say, you know what, I, I don't know if I could go back to Auschwitz. I'll, I'll send the group, I'll let them go with a tour guide. Maybe I'll wait on the outside. I don't know if I could go back in. It was just so hard. And, 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 I know it's important, and it's an important place that we need to go to remember what the horrible things that happened here. But it's not what I want. It's like the complete opposite feeling I have when I take someone to to Jerusalem, or I take them to the Sea of Galilee, and here's where Jesus healed this man in the in Capernaum, you know, or to, or in Rome. This is where Peter died. This is where Paul died, and this is where this martyr is buried. And, and like I love going to those places, and I love going all the time and showing people and celebrating the beautiful work that God has done in the lives of his saints. But to go to a place like Auschwitz, apart from Maximilian Kolbe and, you know, uh, remembering other great heroes that were there, you know, it's just so dark. It's, it's, it's like it, you're remembering just the great evil, like one of the, one of the greatest evils of our modern era. And it's, it's, again, it is important. If you ever get a chance to go, you should go. It's just for me, spiritually, I just felt so dark and, and, and it would be hard for me to go back, but then, but I just pushed back and I'm like, <laughs> you have to go because these people have to be remembered. I mean, to me being there, yes, it was hard and it was just completely mind boggling how the systematic, like how the Nazis thought through their extermination processes. I mean, just, I just could just to actually think through the plan and yeah, that to me was insane. But the fact that, these people need to be remembered, but more than that, they they were all there because they were Jewish. They were there because they were people of faith, and that they we need to be like the women that were there for Jesus in his greatest moment of suffering. You know, weeping with him, mourning with him, entering into his suffering with him. That's how I felt. Is I needed to be there to identify with them, to hold space for their suffering, and to kind of hold a candle to say that they mattered and that mm. this. This was important because, I mean, really, it's not that far-fetched for something similar to happen on our continent with Christians. I mean, looking forward, there could be a time where that's asked of us. Mm -hmm. And how many of them, you know, still kept the faith, struggled, but still tried to be faithful. And there are lots of vignettes and stories and just photographs. I mean, the pictures, just looking them in the eye and seeing their humanity and their soul and praying for them. Mm. I don't know. I just, I felt like that was just so important. So I would go again. I would enter into that again because the whole time I was there, 
I just kept reminding myself, Jesus wins, Jesus wins, Jesus wins. You know, yes, this is hard. Yes, this is dark. But we know we win in the end Mm -hmm. because Jesus wins. Amen. And remember, you are dust. Yeah. Like all the stuff that we think about that we care about right now, it's just dust, dust and ashes. You know, look at these Jews who, you know, were never seeing their family again. Okay. So what am I worried about? I'm worried about, you know, do we have school supplies ready? Whatever. It's <laughs> dust. It's nothing. You know, look at what's really important. Yeah. And it was very moving seeing those vignettes from many Jews. And while well, the Jews were the majority, there were also there right. were many Catholics, like, you know, many, many priests. Were well, and that's the other thing, too. They're like, you know, this many Jews, this many Polish people, this many, you know, Russian gypsies. Well, let's talk about the Polish people. They were just <laughs> there because they were Poles. They were there because they were Catholic. Exactly. That's yeah. the part that kind of made me crazy. Yeah. But they did have these nice little vignettes there from people who survived Auschwitz and talking about how their faith Right. Like, was the one thing that helped them through it all. Like, it was the only way they could turn, whether they were Jewish or, or Catholic or Protestant Christian, that it really was faith in God that helped them through to have hope, to persevere, to just wake up in the morning and, and survive. Right. Um, but, yeah, so very, very moving to, to be there at, at Auschwitz. Um, we got to go to, uh, to Our Lady of Chestahova. That was mm-hmm. That was a... It was beautiful to actually see the the so-called Black Madonna. You, if you know the Lady of Chesterfield, that's the one that has the the scratches in her face uh, that that was done. It's an icon. A, an icon. It's mi- miraculous. There's been miracles attributed. Yes. To her fascinating stories. So, and that you, you go there to Chestahova, and you kind of really get a sense of the Polish culture. You just saw <laughs> Poles from all over Poland were there on the weekend, just going to make their pilgrimage to Chestahova. But and you know, another thing in Krakow, back to Krakow, it's so moving to see in all the churches how many people would just pop in and pray. And adoration was everywhere. That adoration, like, all the so churches. many times you pop into a church. Oh, there's Jesus exposed on the altar. Go to yeah. another church. Oh, there's Jesus exposed on the altar. I mean, it was like, how can I go see anything? I just want to go to adoration. <laughs> and many. Young people, many young people just popping in the middle of their work day, just, or university students just coming yeah. in and and praying. You know, it's been described. There was one. This is, I think, back in the 1800s or so. There was a, a papal someone they worked in for the for the Pope and visited Krakow. It's a Krakow is like a second Rome, and I would that's say that true. that's true. Yeah. In fact, there's it, there might even be a little more faith, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, among at least the local Polish people there. You just got a sense that there was just great faith in so many of them. I know not all of them. They're facing the 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 the, the great waves of secularism and Western relativism, materialism, but. There definitely was a lot of faith in the Polish people, and I would say more than maybe what I see with the local Italians in Rome. Now, you might have like Polish people that live in Rome, or people from Brazil that live in Rome, and you know, and you do see people going in and praying. But from the locals, it was just very, very inspiring to see that. So that was, uh, you know, a, a, again, I think a, a, a great. If you ever get a chance to go to Krakow, it's it's first first of all, it's economical. It's a great place. Oh to my go. goodness, the exchange rate was insanely <laughs> in our favor. That yeah. was amazing. So that that was great. It's a great, and, and it's small. Like you can get from one end of the city to the other in eighteen minutes. You know, if you want to go see a place like Nova Huta, you want to go see the Diamond Mercy Shrine, um, which we did get to go to. We got to go to St. Faustina's too, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- those places, you know, you might have to take a cab, take an Uber or something like that to, to get out there. There's public transportation you could take as well. Uh, but it's just so easy to navigate around. I, I, I strongly recommend it. But maybe just, just stepping back just for our own marriage. Um, I just thought, again, it was just great to kind of step out of the busyness and 
the the craziness of day-to-day life and be able to just be together and be together on on kind of an adventure, you know, going to walk in the footsteps of JP2. Yeah, right. So should we do it again sometime? Poland or somewhere else? <laughs> Anywhere. Just oh, sure. Would you recommend, what would you recommend to married couples about the idea of getting away? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things, like Father Brian today at Mass was saying, there's things that are urgent and there's things that are important. This is definitely something that's important but not urgent. And those are the things that tend to never happen. So if you're feeling like God may be poking you to say, think about this, this would be good for you, I would say really pay attention to that. And just if it's God's will, explore and ask, you know, explore how to make it happen, whether it's miles or babysitters or grandparents taking the kids or whatever. Yeah, it's just good. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a pilgrimage. To, it doesn't to have Poland, to be right? big. It doesn't yeah. have to be Europe, you know. Exactly. Like, I just, uh, we were just having a baseball game with all the dads and the boys in the neighborhood here. And one of the one of the dads in the neighborhood, they, they just went to the beach for their 25th anniversary this last year. And he, they, they were, he was telling me about just how enriching that was for their marriage. And, you know, whatever that might be. But to take that time uh, when you can, I w- I, it makes me wish we had done it a little bit earlier. I don't know how we would pull it off. We don't have. I would say for sure, make <laughs> if you can, make it longer than a weekend. Because from the mom's perspective, it takes at least two days to get used to not having the kids around. Mm. And then you can be free to, like, be more open and enjoy whatever you're doing but if it's like a quick weekend because we've done the quick weekend it's like i'm just coming out of mom mode and it's time to go home yeah yeah i think the week long having at least a week was 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 crucial there yeah so well i want to have you back on another time (gasps) you too But no, amazing. no, maybe maybe a little a few weeks down the road, we can have you back. We could just chat about just looking back on 20 years of marriage. But just since this was fresh, the pilgrimage experience, I thought our listeners, I know many of them were praying for us because we posted on social media. And we were praying so that, for you. So, yes, we did pray for all of you in Krakow. So I, I did pray for all the listeners there and at Chestahova as well. Um, so please pray for our marriage. Uh, we'll pray for all of your marriages or those of you that are single hoping to be married someday. We'll pray for your vocation as well. Uh, but please know that you can reach out to Beth. How can how can people find you, honey? Uh, my website, borntodothis.org. And they can find you on Instagram, Instagram Facebook, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter. And I've not been doing a ton of social media. Although I should post stuff about our trip. but We'll do that. You can find me as well on my website, edwards3.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Send us any questions you have, and maybe we'll, we'll that'd be great. Yeah, if you have questions, because we'll do an episode down the road. So any questions about marriage, things like that, we'll be talking about, looking looking back on our 20 years, what we've learned, uh, probably many, from our many, many mistakes and things. So that's where we usually learn a lot. Uh, but we'll, we'll be sharing on that in a future episode. So thanks so much for listening, friends, and God bless. God bless.